welcome everybody to our Train Smart episode called Tactical Training Culture. So we had the pleasure of having a discussion with Anthony Cruz out of Progressive Health and Performance. And if um, if I am uh, remember correctly, it's out of California. Yep, Southern California. Perfect. Well, I will let Anthony take it away and just provide his uh, his educational background, professionalism, and then also his military background as well. Cool. Thanks, Zane. Um, so try not to make this too long-winded. Um, educational background, undergrad in exercise science, also a master's degree in exercise science with emphasis in human performance, which kind of got this whole thing started. Um, during my undergrad, I did ROTC, so I commissioned to the Army through that way, and then I went right into the Army Reserve, so I can kind of blend the best of sports performance and then also still served in the military. So that's kind of how I'm able to bring kind of both sides to this conversation. That's awesome. On the, on the civilian side, started out in a sports medicine, kind of traditional model. Um, so I worked with uh, a strength team, their athletic trainers, physical therapists, and you know, whatever phase that athlete or client was on, that's who was predominantly working with that client. And then transition, once I got stationed out here, um, Southern California, transitioned into the private sector. So being able to work with anything from youth athletes to professional athletes, adults, and then also on the tactical side as well. And then after that, I got able to build into um, a position where I was on active duty, where I was a fitness instructor for the Army. Where we met our mutual friend Victor Kaiser. Yep. Where yeah, he was one of the instructors with me, and we had we head up a team where we were training uh, soldiers that would come into our course. Um, it was pretty much everything one on one, so nutrition, okay. program design, um, injury prevention, training modalities, all of that, and then we would certify soldiers in the army to go back to their units. And then they would be essentially the subject matter experts of their commanders. Oh, no. I... That was, yeah, that was one of the ways that kind of sparked this whole tactical side with me on the performance side. Once I left active, um, I went back to sports medicine. For some reason, I just don't jive well in sports medicine. The, the timelines and the efficiency with insurance and all that, I just, I like to have more freedom uh, so I can actually help someone yep. as opposed to, uh, hey, you have 20 minutes once a week with this person, let's get them back to perform. Well, I don't really like that model on the private sector. We can pretty much have free reign and like, Hey, I want 90 minutes with you today. And they're like, yep, let's go. So nice. that's one of the positive things I like on the private sector. So now at progressive, um, one of the things that we do have is on the tactical side, we have anyone from, you know, a 17 year old training for a fire police Academy or basic training all the way to a 74 year old veteran. So we, we have that huge gap of the pre, the ones that are still actively in military fire police, and then also the veterans from the Vietnam area all the way to this post 9-11 era. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So you've had a lot of experience and I love the approach that you've done. And I actually never knew that you and Victor worked together. I, I didn't know that. How long did you guys do that for? Um, he was there, I think, almost eight months, and I was there for about 14. Okay, and then you said that you trained 
those soldiers to kind of obviously be like the, the expertise within the fitness? Like what were the things you actually kind of taught them? So again, time constraint and everything. So they were only with us for 14 days. So we squeezed in pretty much everything from, they would come in, we would conduct the physical fitness test just to make sure that they were capable of performing the exercises we're gonna do. Yep. And then we would teach them the current manual that the Army's using. So um, 7-22 is the field manual. Okay. And we would teach them everything in that manual, have them teach it back to us. And then we would get into the actual exercise science pieces where we'd go over like performance nutrition. We would go over sleep. We would go over running mechanics. We would go over um, the actual functional movement screen. So they have an idea of what they're actually looking for when someone comes in and say, oh, I have you know low back pain, which is one of the most common things pretty much in any population. Yep. And it's like, cool. So let's, let's use that screen as a basis so you can just decide whether you need to refer them to a physical therapist or go see their general physician. Um, or if it's just a mechanical issue that, or overuse issue that they can pinpoint that as well. And then also figure out how they can help that soldier without them leaving time of duty or going on any sort of profile or anything like that. Absolutely, man. I love that. Cause I mean, you know, there's only so much you could do within 14 days. You know, you have someone for a specific amount of time and, and, when you're trying to explain these different things that you have went to school for, for years of experience. And, you know, you're gathering all this type of data, this information, this material that's going to help carry them and move them forward for their profession of being a tactical operator. You know, we, we want to keep the longevity of these soldiers to be something of a priority, but you know, you want to kind of keep teach them the essentials. And I love the fact that you guys love, the function movement screen, you know, that's something that I've always had passion for is, you know, quality of movement, I think should always be a priority. And, you know, moving forward into the field, like I kind of see that leading into the profession and all of your experiences so far have obviously drew, driven you to be the, the passionate individual within the tactical profession. Um, but kind of like leading into one of my first questions is, you know, what do you enjoy most working with these tactical professionals? What do you enjoy most? So just like any other exercise science person getting into the field. So I always wanted to work with athletes. So I always wanted to work like, oh, I want to work in that collegiate D1 setting or that professional team. And then quickly realizing just even within my first, you know, five years into this profession, I'm like, that is not where my passion actually lies. Okay. Um, as, as, as much athletes as we still work with, and I really like working with those athletes, I know that working with these military fire and police, they're gonna, they're gonna actually make an impact on something other than a performance metric. Yep. So I, even if I train them to have a safer job, just, that just means that that's, they're gonna be safer for their life, but I'm not even counting how many lives that they're potentially. So, so I, I'm doing my small piece and their big service kind of given back, you know, method or mythology that they're going to go out if they're a fireman just last, you know, two weeks ago here in Southern California, we had a fire. So, you know, we had all those firemen out there putting their lives on the line and you know, if they're not fit enough, if they're, if they're not understanding what nutrition plays into standing next to a hundred plus degree fire, um, with, you know, perspiration, lack of sleep, you know, if we can, if I can help 
in that tactical setting of educating, you know, making sure that they're getting out of pain. Um, that's just one of my, you know, my biggest passions in this field. Absolutely. I love that. I mean, that's kind of like where my field has kind of, or my career has kind of taken part in the last couple of months. Um, I'm doing my dissertation with law enforcement officers in, in Utah. And you know that that's kind of like the big thing that we see in a lot of the research with any type of tactical operator. Um, it could be firefighter, military, it could be law enforcement officers, sheriffs, whatever the case may be, is unfortunately the wellness factors that follow each one of them isn't necessarily at the highest level. So you know that's where it comes into play where we can educate them on pretty much controlling their lives to be a little bit better. And I love the fact that you talked about you know, saving lives, you know, saving their lives is obviously a good priority, but it's got to think about the other individuals that they're protecting and serving. And I love that. I love the fact that you just said that. And then moving forward is, you know, it's, there's a lot of culture that obviously can really help out with these types of individuals, you know, building a culture within your training session, building a culture within just the military department itself and actually having your group of individuals, which you obviously have that experience. Like you, you have been in those shoes. So that obviously makes things a little bit more of a different view for you where it's like, I'll, I'll kind of call myself out. It's like, I, I don't have that experience. Like I wasn't in the military. I, I don't have that police um, background or anything. So it's like knowing that you kind of have those first, uh, stone or foot step stone to go into that position so knowing into that like what does culture mean to you like what are those things that you kind of like focus on to build that culture within any type of military personnel law enforcement and all that well first I always want to assess what their current culture is going in okay. um, so if their culture is built off of like a tight so say we're talking about like a like a squat a tight tactical team I know that that I go in I want to assess how their culture is with their team leader I want to see um, what what they what's important to them in their training so first and foremost I don't go in and be like hey this is what we're gonna do for your job they're the ones who are the experts in their job I'm just there providing assistance in whatever small capacity I can so in that in that sense I want to make sure that they have that trust factor with me and that I truly care about them. So I will, that's the biggest barrier. I can't get even toward talking about program design or talking about why they're in pain. Get in, you know, show them that I truly want to be there and I truly want to help them. Yeah. And that, that's big, man. It's like, you want, you want to be able to help them. I mean, when you talk about like culture, is there like one big, and I know that's kind of like going into the next question, but I'm gonna, I kind of want to lead off of it a little bit. Is this, is there like that one recommendation that you would have for like a young coach to be like, hey, like if you're gonna work with these types of professionals, like this is the one thing that I would recommend to build a culture? Do their training. Okay. So if they're, you know, if it's firemen, do a ride along, do their training, go up, go up their staircase, you know, with all their you're on go through attack course with you know a police if you, whatever your population is do their training yeah. um, and I know if you're already you know being contracted or an employee of them that's you should putting it on the line with them showing showing them that you want to know the intricacies of what's going on internally how actually tired they are 
you know, do a 24 hour shift with them, sleep in their bed. You know, that's what's going to help, especially younger who, you know, don't have the tactical experience behind them. That's what's going to get, you know, those law enforcement, male or female, be like, man, like this guy's here. He's not, you know, he's not just here to, you know, get these numbers or get the, you know, get paid. He really wants to help us. So that's the number one thing I would recommend. Absolutely, man. That was something that I had the, the, the pleasure of doing was actually go, going into Utah. I was able to go into like the annual uh, physical, physical test that they do. Um, uh, it's an OPAT or CPAT. And we did a modified version. It wasn't the full thing. Um, but that obviously puts things in a different perspective for me. It's just like knowing that they have to do these different types of things. And, you know, we understand that some areas, some demographics, like the call rate for some fire departments and everything like that aren't high, but we still need to bring that physicality to it. Um, it's the fact that like they need to be prepared for these things. And I love the fact that you said like, put yourself into their shoes. And, and that was something that I, I was like here and then all of a sudden right when I did that I was like boom like I was like damn like that that it I remember like my vo2 max was like at, off the charts my heart rate and everything like that you know dragging a I think it was a 185 pound dummy from like I think 30 yards or whatever it was that was insane like that like when you've already done six other events right before it and like you're still going into that like that last event it was hard. It was a challenge. And, you know, it's, it's understanding that like, you know, some situations, depending on where you live at, they need to be ready for that type of stuff. And, and, and I love that. Like, you know, if, even if for young coaches or even myself, like if I plan on training these individuals, like do these things like a ride along, you know, see the things that they experience on a, on a regular basis, you know, kind of do your own math, like kind of like in the NSCA is we talk about needs analysis, you know, assess the situation, assess the sport, assess the different types of movements that they, they usually do on a daily basis, that would allow us to basically bring a different approach to it because now we actually can see the things that we actually not might have experienced to a full capacity, but we have experienced it with them. And you can kind of use that like an assessment protocol. It's like you're kind of like asking them questions on that, uh, that matter. Um, you know, what would be some other things that like, you know, if say if it was somebody that wants to start a facility, is there specific things that you would recommend to bring into the facility as like equipment or anything like that working with these individuals? So one of the things with this population, more so than the sport population, is pain management. So you can't just keep throwing barbells on their back, compressing their spine, doing things like that. So open facility is if you're, this is gonna be your main population, um, should be your main concept, just to allow them to move. So like band work, maybe a belt squat. Um, so like the um, glute ham raise with the hyper, uh, with the extension with the lower body. I know Sorenix makes one like that. So you're really igniting posterior chain. Because yeah. the thing with this population is even, like say me and you are on the same team, you could be 25 and I could be 55, but we're training, you know, for the exact same mission. Yep. So you have to be able to kind of take that into account. One, one of the things that we always start with, just like you said, is movement foundation. So do they have the competency and do they have the capacity to do what they're required to do at the lowest level? So if they're, you know, we're trying to say you have to throw, you know, if we're talking military, throw an ammo can, you know, 20 feet, you know, up onto an LMTV, 
and you know mimicking like a snatch or something like that if they can't even put their arm overhead without discomfort i'm not going to start with a snatch like we're going to go over the mechanics of why you know your scapula why just why your upper quarter isn't working like it should yep. and then we can build onto that so as far as like the equipment wise it's i mean it's so varying it's just like putting the facility together um just for a wide range of population absolutely man pain free like that that's huge and unfortunately our, our percentage of individuals that are on a in pain on a daily basis is high and it's unfortunate you know and i agree with the way that you kind of said that like you know structural loading you know if someone can't do specific movements you know find out what are the not necessarily like dysfunctions like i mean we could find any type of dysfunction in everybody like it might be the best mover in the world but we could probably find something that's wrong with them um and it might be the littlest issue but it might be a dramatic issue that makes our jobs i don't want to say difficult but i mean that's the part about what we love to do is we love to assess situations we love to assess kinesiology and movement and you know moving forward is we kind of have that backbone of like what is optimal movement and i kind of say that sarcastically in a way but it allows us to kind of better understand what they're able to do and, and kind of assess these situations and allow them to be better movers. Um, Cause you know, there is no optimal movement because everyone's going to move different. We got different lever arms. we got different lengths of the femurs, their arms, their shoulder blades, their rib cage might be protruding a little bit more on one side than the other. It makes their scapula move different, makes their shoulder move different, makes their neck move a little bit different as well during rotations. So, I mean, I love that, man. I mean, those are the the big things with any type of of assessment protocol is kind of moving into that. Now, how do you believe like when it goes into a session, like do you, do you cuz I know there's a lot of like things with tactical like workouts or tactical training. Like is there always like kind of things that like, you know what? I'm always going to do that type of training. Like oh, we're always going to use battle ropes. We're going to use sandbags. Like is there things that kind of mimic training that could help them out in the future? Yeah, but for for most of our clients, no matter where they're at, we're putting them in a basic foundational phase up front. So that can mean differently to one person than another. So say we have an 18-year-old kid who's preparing for the academy in 12 months. His basic foundation could be strength. Yep. You know, or we have a 35-year-old, you know, active law enforcement officer that comes in um, he's doing pain management. His basic foundation could mean mobility. Yep. So no matter, that's the beauty in the private side is if they come to us as an individual, we're able to do a, a full 90 minute session on them of, of taking that functional movement screen on top of a few other things that, you know, I've designed for the specific population and then customize and sort of talk to them through the whole process of like, okay, when are you on shifts? Are you on graveyard? Are you on swing? When, you know, do you have a baby at home? When, when do you sleep? When are you, you know, when, when do you optimize, you know, there's that term. When do you optimize what, what you're able to do whenever you're not on shift? Like, are you eating? Yeah. You get fast food on the way home. So like, that's the things I'm able to dive really deep into. So whenever they come in, I know what's going to go on. Cause unlike athleticism in an off season, I can't make a law enforcement or firefighter that could be on call. I can't make them extremely sore. Yep. Like I can't put them in a strong, you know, high, you know, high hypertrophy strength phase where they they can barely walk the next day because then that's that's a safety issue. 
Yep. So there's a ton of factors that we have to consider when we're training this population if they're still actively in. Absolutely. There's really no off season. I mean, and that's like the big thing about it is I love that you compared those two. And, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, I've talked to a lot of professionals that say that like, you know, athletes aren't, or like tactical professionals aren't athletes. Um, like, but I mean, I've always believed that, like, you know, everyone's an athlete in their own way. It's just, I call them occupational athletes. That's just a word that I've always used. But I love the fact that you just said like, you got to think about like the next day for them. Like, yeah, you know, they might have a goal that they're trying to do. Yes. A little bit of soreness might be that, but it's like, that could totally throw off their, their performance for potentially a call that they get the next day. And all of a sudden it might be an officer that needs to go into a pursuit and they're trying to obviously run someone down or anything like that and actually try to chase them. And now they have to go on a foot pursuit. So they're running after them, but yet they're super sore from yesterday's workouts. And now they actually can't perform at the highest level that they can because they're sore. Because I mean, we all know what muscle damage does to the body. It eventually decreases performance to a some level. And all of a sudden it's going to eventually repair itself and go right back from the regeneration. But I mean, that's huge, man. I mean, I think a lot of individuals don't view that. I don't, I don't think they see that. They're like, oh, like, you know, like performance, 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 oh, like muscle mass, let's get you sore. Like, yes, that's good. But soreness doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're going to be at the highest level. And I love that. I love the fact that you said, like, look out for them in the future. Like, we have to think about if they get a call, that's what they're built for. They're built for that call that they're basically going to go for. Yeah, and one of the things, too, it's not – always the coach it's sometimes that tactical client is asking for for that soreness asking for that high intensity knowing that they have to you know they're on shift tomorrow or within the next 24 hours so you know that's something where the coach the professionalism where someone who's a younger in this field might be like oh man he's asking for it. let's do it let's let's put you through this you know 60 minute high intensity 85 percent go, 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 and then not realizing the, you know, retrospects of all of that going to come in after. So it's the communication piece with, with that tactical client. That's what's, that's what's going to get you in the longevity side for only retention for client for your business, but also retention and longevity for them as a career. Now, how do you manage that? If you mind me asking, like, how, how do you, like, say someone that is looking for that big workout or something like that and they want to be sore, like, how do you approach that in a conversation with them? Um, so that's, again, knowing their job. So if they're, you know, if they're on, you know, like a three on, four off or however you want to look at it, I know whenever their span of their time off duty is, that's when I'm picking my highest temp. So like, what is your goal? If your goal is... I want to be able to, like, in, in, a lot of times their goals have nothing to do with their job. Yeah. That's my job to balance that program. So say someone wants to deadlift 400 pounds, I'm putting that in their, the time that they're off duty where they have at least 48 hours after where they're not working or they're not going to be on call or something like that. So if they're coming in during their, during their three-day period where, like, hey, you know, I have my 12 hours off, I want to work out, that's going to look more like, you know, regenerative stuff, or, you know, we're going to do that same workout and but we're going to do patterns for deadlift. You're going to go like single leg RDL. We're going to do, you know, proprioceptive work, you know, Oh, you felt like you were tight because you had your gear on. Let's, let's do some stretching, you know, yeah. stuff like that, where we're just, I'm just listening to what they're telling me and then I'll customize it for the, you know, for their term that they're, you know, their, their phase that they're. In. 
I love that. I love that you just said that. It's like it kind of brings into the rationale that they still can lift heavy. They can provide that soreness, but it's just depending on what their days look like. I love that. Like, you know, because it's like some individuals are going to have those goals. Like, hey, I want to I want to gain 15 pounds of muscle mass. Like, I, I do want to get bigger. But it just depends on, you know, like, hey, like, let me get your schedule so that we can develop that the best program for you. So that when we look at the, the micro cycle, the meso cycle, we can kind of plan some things out for you so that you can achieve those goals. But like you said, as a coach, we need to balance those things. Like you need to balance both sides, like the goals of the individual, but then their professionalism. Like you, you kind of have to be that person that's kind of like bridging the gap in between those to basically make it a reality for them. Um, but yeah, man, I, I've loved everything that we talked about, you know, building a culture is huge. I mean, that's, that's one of those things within any type of any, truthfully, any, anyone that we're working with, it could be an athlete, it could be a, a youth population, it could be special populations, tactical, whatever the case may be, is we need to obviously build the trust with each individual. We need to build a positive rapport so that they can trust us to go into these relationships and, and extend from those. Yeah, and a lot of time it's the the trust in the process more so like the short acute stuff. So they come a lot. A lot of the tactical side, they come in not knowing what we're gonna do. They come in knowing what what's put out there on social media, what CrossFit does, and not knocking anything like that. It's just if someone wants to do CrossFit, then yes, let's work that in. That you know, like because there is a ton of benefit with getting your heart rate up and you know doing full body gymnastic movement and things like that. But if that's all you're doing in this tactical field and you're staying in that sagittal plane ninety percent of your time and your movement, say getting out of your squad car, is bending, lifting, rotating. You have to throw someone, you know, stuff like that. You have to. They have to recognize that we're we, we're training for your job and we're training for your health. And we're training for your individual goals as well. So if we're going to put all those in little sort of components and then bring it into the middle, then that's what we're going to do. Just that keep in mind that that's going to be a little bit longer process than a normal, you know, let's just say a general adult who wants to gain 15 pounds of muscle where they don't have all these extenuating factors that they're worried about. So we put them, you know, we put them in a phase where it's going to keep them motivated coming back, but we're going to make sure that they're doing things that's going to keep them healthy and also keep them, you know, as trained as possible for their job. So like lateral band walks, a lot of them like, Oh, like, Oh, it's just a little one inch band. But as soon as we, as soon as we put them on there and they're like, man, I don't know what muscle is hitting. I was like, that's the muscle that you haven't trained in a very long time. Or, you know, we put them through like a bottoms up kettlebell, like, Oh, I can, I can shoulder press 135 and I give them a 25 pound kettlebell, turn it bottoms up. And they can't even get that thing to stabilize even at the bottom of the meeting. You know, and I and I just relate that to why, like why we're doing everything. So I tell like our uh, one of our female law enforcement was saying that she had to hold her weapons, which was a rifle, for 30 minutes straight aimed at a target. And she's like, I was the only one there that didn't have to set down my weapon. Because we trained all those stabilizer muscles, we had her posture, we had her core going. Granted, she's been with us for, you know, a little over a year, but all of those things come into play. So we're, we're thinking of things outside of what the tactical operator is thinking about. But the, the, the key is how you relate and communicate that to them. That's huge. That is huge. Communication is key, like key. I mean, that, that, that obviously, I think, can really separate a coach from a lot of others. 
is being able to communicate with your client. Um, you know, that's something that I think every coach or just even athlete can struggle with is that communication. Um, you know, even on the athlete side, communicating to your coach because you're scared of something happening or scared to, that you, you aren't going to do something that you think that you should be doing, but there's a variety of other exercises. In the coaching world, you know, it's like communicating with your client because you're afraid that you're going to lose them. Um, yeah. You know, so it's it goes both ways. But I love everything that we talked about, man. I mean, I hope everyone that has uh, listened is onto this, or that if you guys are watching this in the future on YouTube or on the podcast, there's a lot of information that we just uh, discussed today, definitely in the tactical world. Um, but Anthony, are you can you provide any type of information? Just if someone wants to get a hold of you, social media, like website or something like that, to connect with you. Yeah, so um, Instagram is PHP Tactical. Okay. You can look up our website at progressivehp.com. Nice. And then, um, yeah, you can message me through any of those. I'm more than happy to answer any questions in regards to training. I know there's a ton of, I mean, it's such a booming field right now. I just got back from the TSAC uh, conference in San Antonio. Um, and that thing just, I mean, from where it started to now is, I mean, the, the amount of coaches that are trying to get into this field and the amount of job opportunities as well, um, especially in the government sector is increasing in so much every single year, just because more and more people are seeing the need for it. That's awesome. I agree with that, man. I mean, it's the TSAC conference for NCA has dramatically grown. And that's, uh, that's awesome. Just because I love the fact that you talked about you know, the government, the government's starting to see it as a huge value, like these human performance, these strength coaches, these trainers, whatever you want to call them, are able to provide a benefit for these soldiers, you know, to make sure that they're not necessarily just always looking at the performance value of shooting a gun or star response time and calmness, but it's like the wellness factor too. You know, we need to make sure that we're looking at wellness, you know, sleep is huge. And unfortunately, we know, definitely within severe situations for the military, sleep is is decreased by a lot and you know what are the things that we can do to make sure that they are recovered just because i mean we up have all experienced sleep and when it's bad we know what it does like concentration cognition like focus all the stuff goes down you kind of feel groggy but i mean there's so much that goes into it but thank you so much anthony um it was a pleasure to have you on as an episode of train smart you know talking about tactical training culture I hope everyone had the opportunity to learn something today. You guys obviously have the information from Anthony on his website, his Instagram, um, any type of information. If you guys are looking for training out in, where is your facility in California? It's in Marietta. It's pretty much a little inland between San Diego and LA. Nice, nice. So if you guys are ever looking for training out in that area, contact Anthony. Definitely a smart individual when it comes to training and coaching and strength and conditioning. Um, but it was a pleasure to have you, Anthony. I hope that you have a great day. Thank you. You as well. Thanks for having me. Will do.